Haha, I've trapped you, partner. You don't know it, but I've trapped you. Okay. These statements are on the record. That's fine. Because we're going to talk about later exactly my point of why she's attracted to him. Haha. Okay. Haha, hee hee, ho ho. <laughs> Once you're done with your evil laugh, ba- let's go. I'm basically ahead. Daffy Duck at this point. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madwas Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So are you ready for your intervention today, partner? Say what you will. (laughs) I'm not changing my mind yet. (laughs) I was so happy to see this episode yeah for those of us who may not know what we're referring to right away go back and listen to episode three where we started talking a little bit about miss vanessa wilson fisk's Mm -hmm. love interest here and we're gonna get to her as the episode progresses yeah and she's gonna keep coming up as the season progresses indeed but first things first we need to go visit a russian prison Yes, where ribs are weapons. (sighs) How did you like that? It's like the writers of this show sat down every week together and just asked the question. They were just brainstorming up on a board. How can we make this show more gross? (laughs) You know, I've learned a lesson. When it comes to shows like this and shows like, say, Bones or stuff like that, Never watch while you're eating. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good tip. Uh, Especially if you're eating spare ribs or something in this episode, because we are digging into a corpse for bones. Not really digging, but kind of. Oh, do you have a surface level? Oh, oh, pardon me. Just surface level corpse robbing. Yeah, because the the rat had made no. the hole already for them. Oh, I forgot about the rat. <laughs> you okay? Let us move on past the uh, <laughs> mention of said rodent. Now would be a good time to take a commercial break if we did have any commercials. <laughs> yeah, three minutes in <laughs> for Krista to compose herself. Yeah, while you're like retching. Oh, God. <laughs> so... Basically, we're just getting a little backstory on these Russian brothers who are part of Fisk's operation. Like, they're kind of a subsidiary. They have their own deal going on, but they also answer to him. It's all a part of these huge tentacles that Fisk has everywhere. The gist of what we get from these two is that they are tight and they've been through some serious shit. Obviously, Russian prison. I'm a little confused about this. The person they were referring to earlier on where one of the brothers asked the other, where is X, Y, Z? Was that a third brother or was that just a friend or something like that? I think just a friend because there's never a mention between the two of them of a third brother. Yeah, okay. And considering I don't think they'd go digging into their brother, right? Agreed. Uh, So the gist here, we see how important these two are to each other because that's going to really come into play after this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And it also shows us just how much they have overcome and how 
hard they're going to fight to not give up what they have. Right. How far they're willing to go. Yeah. So Matt's out putting some hours in on his night job, Mm -hmm. taking out some more of Fisk's goon squad. Yeah. Basically terrorizing these Russians. Yeah. He's targeting them. Yeah. He thinks that's the quickest way to shut this all down. Unfortunately for Matt, he has no idea how far it goes. Yeah. He's literally just scratching the surface. Yeah. So he heads back over to long-suffering Claire, who is still in hiding. (laughs) Yeah. And the poor thing is going to suffer quite a bit more. Yeah. I mean... By the end of this episode. Poor thing. She can't go back to her her own apartment and she's stuck in an apartment with a nasty cat that she's allergic to. Yeah. Yeah, I feel her. I mean, just... I'd have thrown the cat out of the window by now. <laughs> I mean, it's an asshole. It, it has it. That cat's an asshole. It has it coming. All cats are assholes. My cat's not an asshole. Uh-huh. She's a... How many times have I heard you ranting no, about no, her? No, no, She's a giant pain in the ass, but she's not an asshole. She doesn't have an evil bone in her pudgy little body. <laughs> Okay. And how many times have you told me that she may have just about killed you by getting in between your feet? This is true. Although that is, I don't see that as an evil assassination attempt. It's more assassination through utter neediness. Hence, asshole. Maybe. Be in denial. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've talked about the chemistry before between Matt and Foggy and Karen. We need to talk about how good Charlie Cox and Rosario Dawson are together. Yes, they have good chemistry. I really enjoy their scenes together. Yeah, they have really good tension with this writing and the, the whole situation of it. And just, you can just see the sparks coming off of them. Yeah, true. So Claire is really the only person that Matt can talk to about all this. Yeah, and... It's a tragedy that he can't really, that he still doesn't trust her enough to tell her his name. Yeah. Yeah. And he's confiding in her this frustration he has because based on the research he's done since he got the name out of Healy, Wilson Fisk is a shadow. There is no trace of him. Yes. And this is by design, of course. Of course. Yeah. Nothing Fisk does is not by design. Yeah, he's completely insulated in shell companies and by bribes in the right hands. Yeah, and not only that, but later on in the episode, we hear that Fisk has come out of hiding. So not only is he insulated through these convoluted ways in terms of his name, but he himself physically lives a very isolated life. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that as this series progresses. Man's got some issues. Yeah, he does. That's putting it mildly. So while Matt's getting patched up there, we head back over to for another visit with the Russians. And we get a nice little MCU reference here. Wesley doesn't understand what the hell the problem is. He's like, hey, the man in the mask has no iron suit or magic hammer. And I'm like, ah, thank you. Fan service. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing with the entire Netflix cinematic universe. They obliquely refer to the Avengers. They never outright mention their names. I love that. I think it's like a contract or 
copyright or some kind of issue there. Probably, but the same thing they did with Agents of Shield and Agent Carter and a lot of that. Yeah, that's probably the case. But you know what? It works. The subtlety is better. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So Wesley and Fisk are getting irritated here because the Russians' inability to stop Matt is hurting Fisk's whole drug operation. Yes. The Russians are trying to tell them that even though it's just one dude, he is a force to be reckoned with and they're having serious trouble dealing with him. But Wesley and crew are not getting it. They don't understand the ground reality of it. No. And that is... And this is what we've talked about uh, with Wesley a little bit so far. That is privilege. That is the disparity here between this wealthy elite and this goon squad on the ground. That elite up top, they've never been on the street. They've never, Wesley in particular, he doesn't understand the reality of the legwork. Yeah, Fisk does. That's true. But he is too blinded by his own desire and ego. It could be that. And you could also say, at the end of the day, how unbelievable it is that one guy is single-handedly ruining an entire multi-million dollar drug operation. Well, and two, it's not just drugs. We should say weapons and trafficking. Yes. Madam Gao is the drugs of the entire operation. Yes. I am terrified of her. <laughs> Viscerally. We will be seeing a lot more of her as we go through the Netflix cinematic universe. Indeed. And I don't buy that limp for a second, lady. <laughs> and it's funny because the Russian says here they're arguing about Fisk and, oh, we don't say his name. And one of the Russians, I think it's Vladimir, who becomes the main Russian as we go on, says... He's just a man. It's a great line because the same can be said of both Fisk and Matt. Absolutely, yes. And that this is where we start seeing the parallels between the two of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. They have a lot yeah. more in common than either of them would like to believe. Yes. Or like to admit. Yes. So Matt's getting patched up. The Russians are arguing with each other. And Karen is practically tearing her beautiful hair out trying to get Ben to listen to her. <laughs> Yes, that's true. And he is having none of it. No. And this got me upset at first because, again, I had forgotten this show entirely. So I'm like, dude, wait a second. You were telling your boss he was being a coward and and these stories need to be told. Now you're telling Karen to back off that you're not going to do so. What the fuck? <laughs> and I, I get his yeah. point at first because Fisk has pretty much killed off everybody that had to do with that original pension scandal that Karen was involved in. Yeah, and not only that, the entire company has been liquidated. Yeah. So I'm sitting there on the couch like, you jackass, you hypocrite, and then I feel bad for it later. (laughs) Don't judge quite so soon. Yes, yes, I am realizing that quickly with this show as little bits and pieces are coming back. Mm -hmm. And that's good advice for life in general. So... We opened the show digging into a corpse. Now we're going to wake a guy out of a coma. Yeah, sure. That's perfectly all right. And the fact that he's able to speak in coherent sentences immediately after having a tube pulled out of his lungs is perfectly understandable and realistic. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? 
I don't know what kind of research this actor did, but I believed the pain he was in. <laughs> he must have been in pain because these guys really rather brutally jabbed him with that needle. Yeah. I mean, I know the needle didn't actually pierce the skin, but they were really hard. Yeah. The force of that itself would get someone out of the coma. Yeah. And considering this guy had already been tortured by Matt and thrown in a dumpster, he's not doing so great to begin with. Yeah. Maybe a little gentle hand would be good. Yeah. So the Russians are waking their comrade here up so they can try to get information about this masked man. Yes. And the first thing that he says when they ask him, who was it that did this to you? He said, the devil. Yes. And the information he gives them also leads them to go look for Claire, as Matt predicted. Right. They go look around and they find no trace of her until the neighbor shows up. Poor Santino. He's a good kid. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't deserve to get mixed up in this. None of them deserve to get mixed up in this. And I'll say again, I had said this in last episode, the whole organized crime plot with all these threads, it gets a little murky for me. So I'm basically counting on you, Aim, to try and help me sort through that puzzle on occasion. Sure. No problem. Yeah. Now, one thing I am completely, totally sure of, no qualms about my feelings in regards to Miss Vanessa. So Fisk's intention to go to the gallery this time is to ask Vanessa out. And the dude is so nervous and so unsure of himself. It's... It's interesting. Is it? It is. I could have gone with, an, with another adjective. I decided not to before you start screeching in my ears. <laughs> well, here's what I'm wondering, and I come at it from a true crime perspective. I don't know whether or not Wilson Fisk is a psychopath. I don't know if he's truly capable of love. He is. At least I don't, I don't know it yet. I don't remember the rest of right. the show, but sitting here at episode four, I'm not... Sure. The one argument I'll give you is that within this episode itself, we see Fisk brutally, in the most inefficient way possible, separates a man from his head. That is quite the description of that incident. Continue. But when he's speaking to Vanessa before he's uh, when he's trying to ask her out, he was so vulnerable and unsure. She was the one who had the cards. In that particular exchange. Absolutely. She was the one holding all the cards. Mm -hmm. If he was not a man who was capable of feeling love or, you know, any other emotion besides anger, it wouldn't have been like that. He would have intimidated her into going out with him. Oh, I don't think so. There are plenty of examples of psychopaths who couldn't speak to women. Okay, fair enough. Brutal, violent killers who didn't know how to have a conversation with a woman. And that's one of the reasons they were brutal, violent killers. Yeah, it comes from their own insecurities. Right. Which, yes, Fisk does have his own insecurities, but you can clearly see that he is very attracted to her. Now, I got to say, with this actress, I was convinced I had seen her somewhere before. Turns out I haven't. She just reminds me so much of Gal Gadot. And for those of you who live in a cave, I'm talking about Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. She's she's truly a wonderful woman. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you all right? I'm sticking with it. You all right over there? Uh, I'm okay, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
But the actress who plays Vanessa, I'm sorry if I mispronounce her name, Ayolette Zarur. She is Israeli, so I'm not surprised that she reminds you of Gal Gadot. Yeah, it's, and she does seem to have that accent. The, yes, it's the accent, the cadence, and they look a little bit alike too. I feel like they could be sisters. Really? Yeah, I think so. Older sister, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. here's what I have to ask on her end. What is charming about Wilson Fisk? That's for her to decide, to each their own. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Shut up. I'm not talking about beauty. The man is terrifying. She doesn't know that. He radiates danger. But when he's talking to her, he's very soft and vulnerable. Maybe she finds that attractive. Let's not forget they connected in the previous episode and probably some off-screen conversation about art. True, but... She may find him intriguing. Haha, I've trapped you, partner. You don't know it, but I've trapped you. Okay. These statements are on the record. That's fine. Because we're going to talk about later exactly my point of why she's attracted to him. Haha. Okay. Haha, hee hee, ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> Once you're done with your evil laugh, ba- let's go I'm basically ahead. Daffy Duck at this point. <laughs> now, this show is great with little details like so many of the Marvel properties are. Claire is in the apartment of this friend that she was cat sitting for. She thinks she's safe there. And I totally relate to this moment of Claire feeding this cat that she hates and this cat will not eat. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, she's only doing it for a friend. How frustrating that is, like, because I have a little 15-month-old puppy who I love to pieces and adore, and she likes to go on what we call hunger strikes. When she gets overstimulated or doesn't get her way, she will use her snoot and push all of her kibble out of her crate onto the floor. Like, okay, and she'll go, like... Two days without eating her food. She's got a little husky belly, so she could do that. But I'm sitting there like, I love you and I'm trying to keep you alive. <laughs> Please eat. <laughs> so, yeah, this is tough. I totally relate. But I would have also thrown that cat out the window at this point. Yeah, but not only that, she's also con- she's also feeling a bit paranoid. With good reason. At this point. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Because she's about to get kidnapped. Yeah. So having an antagonizing cat not, you know, cooperating would be aggravating to say the least. Yeah, it's just the cherry on the shit Sunday at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the Russians come for her and Matt can hear her being attacked, but he is too late. Yes. By the time he reaches the house, they've already taken her. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if this was Charlie Cox or a stunt double. That man can move. Yeah, I found it really interesting that while he was in conversation with Foggy, he was holding his arm as, you know, blind people do that as a sort of way of guiding and keeping the person near you. The minute he heard Claire on the phone struggling, he ran and he threw that walking stick like he doesn't know what it is. Yeah, he stopped pretending to be blind. Which he kind of is blind. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. He lives a lie. Like, it has to be exhausting. His entire life is kind of a lie. Yeah, pretty much. In this case, you could say he stopped pretending to be normal. For what people expect him to be. Yeah, okay. 
Yes. Now I got to say here, normally I hate facial hair on men. Not a fan at all, except for like the two weeks out of the year. My husband is on leave and allowed to have a goatee. It looks good on him. This five o'clock shadow that Charlie Cox perpetually has on his face. That works for me. Oh, no. Because it's like just it's it's too it's just stubble. It's not uh, it's not an actual beard. I'm on board for it. Yeah, but yeah, but that old stubble thing, it's too pokey. No, Mm. not my cup of tea. While Matt is trying to come up with his next move, Karen is kind of being a Karen. (laughs) No, come on. She's doing research. She's not being too smart about it. Yeah, because it's her first time. Yeah, but you know what? When the stakes are this high, uh, baby, do a little more recon first. Maybe get a little bit more of a plan together. Well, she did have a plan. It wasn't a very good plan. And come on, can you blame her? Nobody's listening to her. She didn't know that Ben was interested and Ben was trying to protect her at this point. She's desperate to do something. She jumps out of her skin when Ben shows up. Yeah, that goes to show just how scared she is and how strong she is to continue on this mission, despite the fact that she's terrified. Yeah. And what she's doing there is basically recon, like she's noting who the people are, but she doesn't know what to look for. She doesn't know quite what or how to observe properly. She doesn't know how to blend. Yeah. It's a smart idea for her to actually draw the people who are bidding. Oh, right. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, talk about risky. How so? What if somebody sees her doing that? Yeah, which is why she was scared. And when Ben showed up, she, like you said, jumped out of her skin. Yeah, she's still, despite what's happened to her, she's still very naive at this point. And Ben has to tell her, like, do not look at any of these people. Bid on something. Buy something. Make it look like you're here for a purpose. Because, hey, if you haven't noticed, there are other people here doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so she doesn't know that. It's, she's new with this. I can't blame her for it. I mean, sure, she could have gotten herself killed if Ben didn't show up. you got to admire the tenacity. Yes, but I guess I just wouldn't have gone it alone. I wouldn't have stopped until I found some ally. I guess here's what it is for me. I'm just not that brave. Yeah, yeah, she's she's recklessly brave. Recklessly brave. That's a good way to put it. And at this point, she can't trust anyone. And anyone who she's talking to about this is either not believing her or just dismissing her. Or they're already compromised thanks to Union Allied. And she really can't go to her boss at this point because that's the one safe space she has. She may not want to jeopardize that. That's true. I hadn't thought of it because I'm still having trouble thinking of them as employer and employee. Because they're really not doing much with setting boundaries, those boundaries themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not good employ- employer-employees, no. They're but they are. Yeah. Well, at least now she knows she's got Ben on her side because he was basically just like, oh, I told you to stay out of it. I didn't say I was going to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. At which point I was like, I'm <laughs> sorry, Ben, for not remembering you're a good guy. <laughs> yeah, and he is trying to protect her. Yes. Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah. Before we head over to such a lovely romantic evening, 
We have to see. We have to see poor Claire just getting the shit beat out of her by these Russians. Yes, that's rough. And I'm, I feel really bad for her. Rosario Dawson is so good in this scene. She is. She is fighting back. And I feel like that's a conversation two actors need to have with each other beforehand. Oh, they need to absolutely rehearse. It's not just a conversation. Yeah, rehearse. Yeah, but it has to be. You got to kind of talk this out. Like, are you OK if I just go full out like I'm actually being abducted and I'm not holding back? Because she does not look like she's holding anything back. Yeah, they obviously know they they plan and the stunt people who, you know, train with them. Yeah, I know. But there's still a lot of, but there's still risk involved. There's still trust that has to be there. It's just done so well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because too, she's not like a tiny 110 pound woman. I mean, Wouldn't want to have to be in the ring with her. <laughs> Yeah, true. And she's not the actress, but the character, she's got gumption. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, she's already from New York. That's points. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they're basically just torturing her to find out the identity of this masked man. Yeah. And fortunately for her, she can't give it. Yeah, she can't because she doesn't know. Right, so Matt's protected her in that regard. So... Here's my question to you. If she knew who Matt was, would she have told them? Absolutely not. But at one point, we do see her say, I can't tell you because I don't know. And it does seem like she's genuinely frustrated that she can't tell them something to make them stop. Yeah, because she genuinely doesn't know. But I think if she did, she wouldn't still wouldn't tell them. Because you know what? The the woman who helps him out of the dumpster has to be the same woman who wouldn't reveal his identity. Yeah, but see, she helped him out. That's I'm not negating that in any way. Right now, she's in actual mortal danger. I know, but I think it would take more just based on just this scene. No, I don't think she gives him up. But if they start cutting fingers and toes off, that's a different story. Okay. So... I think it's just about the level. Thank God we don't see that. But uh, no, I don't think she gives them up. <laughs> okay. All right. But they do mention, the Russians do mention in, in their own language that they can't kill her till she tells them who he is. Right. Well, they're not the best. They're not human lie detectors like Matt. Yeah, true. But she wouldn't know that what she wouldn't know what they said. Right. So even if she did want to say it, she would have end up, ended up dead. Yeah. Either she would have been killed quickly once they got what they wanted, or they would have beaten her till she died. And after that harrowing experience, we have a nice romantic date. Mm -hmm. I have one quibble at this point. I find it extremely misogynistic when it's the man who has to approve the wine before it's given to the woman. You mean taste? Yes. This is hard for me to comment on because I've never been to a fancy restaurant I don't know how they work. I don't like wine. Never have. And I don't know how wine works. Um, <laughs> I don't think this is a show thing. I think this is a Fisk thing. It, no, it's it's a world thing. Oh, is it? Okay. This is what I mean. I yes. don't know. It, yeah. Okay. So let me put it in this way. It's almost equivalent to asking the man to order for the woman. Which is irritating and misogynistic. Yes. 
Yes, so this is a common this is a common thing at upscale restaurants. The man has to approve the way the wine tastes. Most of the cases, yes, and it, it tends to be that whoever is the one who is in charge of ordering, whether it's a couple or if it's a group, the person who's in charge of ordering tends to be the taster. This is just one of many reasons I don't go to fancy restaurants. This sounds silly. <laughs> so even in this date, it, even though this is their first date, you can absolutely see there is a certain amount of awkwardness because they're getting to know each other. But there is chemistry. You can't deny that. Yeah, there's awkwardness because he is a husk of a human being. He's not very socially adept. No. It's it's Vanessa who drives everything. Yes, she's the one in charge. She's steering the boat the whole time. Yeah, and that's perfectly all right. I think that's quite empowering in a way. <laughs> well, what's with the he he he? I would agree with you, and you are right, but the problem is, for me anyway, I see Vanessa as a very nefarious force. Okay. At this point, she doesn't know anything about him. How could you say she was nefarious? I mean, in general, for the series, not right now. Okay. Because you're saying she's driving the boat and that's an empowering thing. I would normally agree, but not in this case, because I think she's evil. All right. Okay. I think she's an evil person. I'm not denying she's an evil person, nor am I denying he's an evil person. They're both horrible human beings in their own ways. Yeah. But together, they're good for each other. We're going to have to spend some time off air defining the word, defining the phrase good for each other. Good for each other in a vacuum. (laughs) If you keep the evilness out of it, that is the thing about this relationship that I love so much. They support each other. In the worst way possible. Oh my God, you're funny. (laughs) In a vacuum. Yeah, let's take them out to space. They'll be just fine. (laughs) Even though they're supporting each other to do evil stuff, but technically she supports him to do evil stuff. They are good for each other. Isn't that exactly what everybody wants in their life? A partner who is an equal and they can support one another. Yeah, that's what everybody wants, but that doesn't mean they should have it. If they're Wilskin Fisk, Hitler had Ava Braun. Was that a good relationship? Between the two of them, who knows? (laughs) I mean, it could have been a good relationship, but that doesn't deny that, that Hitler was a terrible human being. I'm not saying that they're good just because they have a good relationship. They're evil people. But the relationship between the two of them is what I enjoy. Oh, I don't understand. Anyway, so while these two are... (laughs) I think we need another mediator. So while these two are busy chit-chatting and eating food I can't pronounce, Matt... (laughs) is still out looking for Claire. And fortunately, he bumps into Santino, who's able to give him the name of the Russian's cab company that took Claire. Yes, that's a good piece of information. He did a little bit of good sleuthing there. Yeah. 
So he finally gets over to this shop slash warehouse and oh, Claire is in rough shape. Yeah. Yeah. She's one punch away from losing consciousness. Yeah. And again, she is so, so good. And I love this scene. It is scary. Yeah, they did it really well. Yeah, the lights go out because Matt takes out the power and it's one of those oh snap kind of moments. Yeah, you could say that for the Russians, he's the boogeyman at this point. Yes, and being it's in the dark, I'm glad you said boogeyman because this is kind of like every human's worst fear, right? Yeah, exactly. Being in the dark, being hunted by something dangerous that you can't see. Yeah, absolutely. And earlier on in the episode, when the, the brothers are talking to each other, they do say that the reason why they don't mention Fisk's name because is, is because they don't want people to realize he's just a man. And the other brother says, well, it's one man who is kind of kicking our ass right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so yes, they know he's a man, but there is something larger than life about him. And the way they've done this kind of solidifies that from the bad guy's perspective. All this time we've been seeing everything from Matt's perspective. Right. And he manages to like flip flop this on them and use his own blindness to his advantage because he can put them in the dark. It's like wearing night vision goggles. Yeah, obviously. Yes. And the way all of them just kind of get taken out one by one and the rest of them are just lost. It's. It's a lot like a horror movie. Yeah. Yep. So Matt gets the job done, takes everybody out. Claire just breaks at this point and takes a bat and wails on one of these guys. Yeah. She had a good swing. Yeah. Considering how badly she's been hurt. Yeah. That would be my weapon of choice if I ever had to beat someone. A bat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You use baseball bat, I'll use cricket bat. I've never seen a cricket bat. Google it. It's got a lot of heft. And I would use a metal bat. Okay, cricket bats are wood. Yeah, wood might break. I want my aluminum bat. (laughs) And it'll hurt. It's heavy. And it hurts more. No, they're the same way. It's the same weight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Claire did not sign up for this particular shit Sunday. No, she did not. And of course, poor Matt, as if he's not carrying enough guilt. Now I say... See, there I go. I say poor Matt, (laughs) but he kind of brought this upon everyone. Yeah, he did. And that is exactly what he says. But she's not mad at him. No, she's not. So while Matt is patching her up, he is guilty as which is his default about getting her hurt. She is the one who convinces him that he needs to continue his quest. Yeah, she's fully on board at this point. Yeah, because I think... You know, she could have gone in in this situation. A person can go one of two ways. They can either say, check, please. I didn't sign up for this shit. I'm done. I never want to see you again. This is too much. Yeah. Or they can say, I get it now fully. I see what you're fighting for. This has to stop. And that's the road she chooses. Yeah. For her to just give up and go home is... What would certainly be considered the sane choice, the normal choice, but she went the difficult and brave route. Yes, absolutely. No one can ever say ever that the women on this show are weak. Not at all. 
not in the least. Even Vanessa, including as evil, Vanessa, as fucking yes. evil as she is. <laughs> and now that he sees that Claire is totally up for this, Matt finally tells her his name. Yes, finally, dude. That's a big moment for them. That's like yes. their equivalent of "I made a drawer for you." <laughs> Now, Ben still has a few more reservations about Karen. Yes. He wants her to be safe. He's seen too many people die already. He doesn't want her blood on his hands. Yeah. He's seen people die and their lives ruined. And he can see that she wants to do this, but he knows, and clearly it's been proven by this point, that she doesn't know the, what the fuck she's doing. Yeah, but she's not giving up. No, she's not. She's in it. And, you know, as much as I enjoy this episode, I kind of miss the interplay between Matt and Foggy and Karen. Yeah, it's it's a very plot heavy episode, yeah. but there's no relief. No. Like generally, the, <laughs> yeah, generally Foggy comes in for a little bit of some emotional relief. I wouldn't say comic relief because he's not. In this episode, there was there wasn't too much. No. So while Maya and Claire are having their moment, Fisk and Vanessa are ending their little date slash face-off slash interview at the restaurant. How would you say it's a face-off or interview? It's a date. D Dates are interviews. They are. <laughs> they yes, but let's not be so clinical about it, okay? But for these two, I'm going to be because they both recognize especially her, they understand this is not going to be a normal relationship. This isn't going to yeah. be casual dating. Yeah. So this is more... It's pretty than, apparent. Yeah. This is a lot more than just a date. Yeah, it is. And you can see throughout this date, it's pretty apparent that that Fisk is, he's very socially awkward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because he's the kind of guy who has spent so much of his time isolating himself that it's unusual for someone of his social standing to be invisible alone invisible but that's by design right so in this case it does make sense that he doesn't have experience with women or relationships yeah and it's more than that he has been so engrossed in building his empire that he's just neglected his social life completely yeah well, it hasn't been a priority for him yeah exactly and not and even in his professional life he's isolated himself to such an extent that even his own his own allies his own business associates have a hard time getting in touch with him right well i think in his view it had to be that way in order for him to achieve the success and power he sees himself as having yes agreed now, here, here we go with the way this episode winds down. All right. I can give Vanessa the benefit of the doubt up to this point. Like, all right, maybe if she's wearing the world's thickest blinders, she can't see that there's something a little off. Maybe we should keep our distance from this guy. Just as they're winding up their date, they are interrupted by... Uh, very pushy by one of the Russian brothers who's feeling real pushy. Yeah. And he wants a face-to-face -face with Fisk and he wants it now. 
Yeah, and you can see Fisk immediately shuts down and walks out. Yeah. This is the moment where a sane woman, a decent woman, would run the fuck the other way. She was very unsure at the end of the day. My ass. She was unsure. Yes, you could. You can't deny that. My ass. She was unsure. I think that was an act playing hard to get. Honestly, that's what I do think that she had to make it to keep the power dynamic in place, to keep herself with the reins of power over him. She had to play Mm -hmm. hard to get and make it seem like I'm not sure about you. You're going to have to prove it to me. You're going to have to do. You've got me saying it now. You're going to have to do X, Y and Z (laughs) to get me back. Mm, I don't buy that act for a second. Okay, fair enough. It could go either way. I'm not I'm not going to argue with that. So he gives uh, the Russian here his little meeting briefly before yeah very briefly yes uh right before he decapitates him with the car door (laughs) he slams a car door on this guy's head until it basically explodes are you all right (sighs) yeah yeah good okay need a sip of water uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is the first instance of physical violence we've actually seen from Fisk. Yes. Which makes it worse. It's the first one. And you know what? Where do you go from this? That's the point. Yeah. That it's so brutal that it really hammers home the message. Yeah. That this guy, for all he's, you know, like he's playing the game, he's controlling everything from a distance he is not afraid to get his hands dirty if he needs to. yeah and he'll start at an 11 yes that is fisk that is kingpin yeah that's just who he is i had to mute this i couldn't stand it <laughs> i could not take it damn you sound designers you're too good yeah they are i loved the fact i mean you know love could be a very loosely termed in this situation where while he is smashing the door at one point we actually see brain matter fall down yeah yeah we do yeah very well done yeah brilliantly done vincent d'onofrio looks like a feral animal in this scene yeah and that's the point yeah this guy is a force to be reckoned with not just from the whole empire point of view but just him as a person he is insanely strong and big and beastly beastly is a good word yeah and not only the physical violence but he knows this is going to start a war with the russians yes he's got a plan for that though he's got a plan after he did what he did but at that point he didn't give a shit Yeah, he didn't give a shit. He was too pissed off at the fact that this dude embarrassed him Mm -hmm. in front of Vanessa. Yeah, that's just because he was embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen if he's pissed? Yeah. Can you decapitate a person multiple times? (laughs) 
So next episode, we're going to see exactly what Fisk comes up with for that plan. Yeah. And that wraps up episode four. So I am now free to go to take some Dramamine for the nausea I now have. (laughs) Yeah. Make sure not to eat before or after this or watching the episode. How is it you don't like horror movies, but you're fine with ridiculous amounts of blood and gore? I'm good with gore, but I'm not good with jump scares. Okay. That's my thing. All right. So at the end of this episode, it's pretty apparent we need a mediator because this whole Fisk and Vanessa relationship thing is going to break us. <laughs> they certainly aren't breaking up, but we seem to be at the on the edge, aren't yes. we? Yes. Yes. Because one of us is yeah. sane. <laughs> so... If you're interested in being a mediator for us, please send us your application on Twitter or Instagram at Marvel Matters. Yes, apply through TM, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm not yet a headless Madam Amy. Give it time. Join us next week for Season 1, Episode 5 of Daredevil. If you enjoy listening to our crazy asses and you'd like an exclusive bonus episode about how we met and started the podcast, join our email list and we'll send you the link. And you might probably just get another episode of How We Broke Up. (laughs) Sign up on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. (laughs) Marvelous Madams, the farewell tour. And there's yeah. that burp I was waiting for. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Can I use this as a blooper? <laughs> Fine, I don't care. It's not the worst thing I've done on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. You did go past this one point. I did. I did. <laughs>